Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, the never-ending story. In the year 1984, there was nothing. And there's still nothing. The story doesn't end. It's never-ending. Isn't that a Simpsons joke like Lionel Hutt sues the never-ending story for false advertising? That sounds about right. Yep. <laughs> it's the but, opposite of Final Fantasy. Sorry, I'm, I'm working well, Final it out Fantasy wasn't the last one. They keep making more. A never ending story wasn't never ending. It stops. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. So we could do like a class action lawsuit. That's cool. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Matt here. This is Luke. It's a sci fi sanctuary. Joining us today from the Rogueways podcast is Lindsay Sharman. Hi, oldie. Thanks for inviting me. It's my favorite movie in the universe, so I'm excited. Wow, nice. Yeah, well, you know, for 80s kids, this was just like, this was like standard issue, right? You couldn't mm. make it out of the 80s without being uh, having this movie, you know, like, impermeating your, your being or something. You played at all the birthday parties, that sort of thing. I, I get my mind blown every time I meet someone who's never seen it, which it's usually the other way around because I don't see a lot of movies actually make, I guess, in the 80s. I hit some of them, but I miss a <laughs> lot. And so usually people are freaking out that I haven't seen something. But this is the one that always freaks me out when people haven't seen it. So, Luke, are you going to freak her out? No, I had I saw it a lot, but as a very young child. And this was probably my first viewing in 20 or 25 years. <laughs> So I had memories of it, but the the plot and what happened or any of that was completely new for me. So I I am the opposite of you. So I watched it first, probably in 1988 or something, I want to say. Mm. Uh, and then I've seen it most years since then. I've, it's the most viewed movie I've ever had in my life. And then I've also read the book. I don't even know how many times at this point, honestly. I, I read okay. it once every few years, at least. Kind of so like I, I am certifiably insane. That's why, but you know. <laughs> are you insane because of the film, or do you watch the film because you're insane? That's the question. So. I'll say yes, exactly. <laughs> yes to both, but huh? <laughs> so, um, the the train just left the station of thought. There, okay. Uh, does this predate your your run in with um, Grandma and Arnold Schwarzenegger? Then, or is it, it like would have current... been around the same time? Okay. So yeah. The, the film that I watched as a very young child and then watched every year since is like Terminator 2 and Commando. So, <laughs> this was probably like what my mum would have put on when she stopped letting me watch all those Schwarzenegger films all the time. I do remember growing up this being one that I kind of wanted to see more of and uh, maybe couldn't. Maybe they didn't have it at our local video store or something. So, um, 
you know, I, I guess that's why I'm remembering seeing it like birthday parties or something. It's like, oh, wow, I get to see some of this again. Uh, the, the Secret of Nim also goes in that in that file as when I just see it birthday parties. <laughs> oh, and you were actually like five when this came out, right? Yeah. Your prime age for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Because it's got lots of searing imagery that and, and the things that sear into my brain are not necessarily the ones that usually sear into people's brains. But we'll get into that a little later, I guess. <laughs> Um, let me do a quick story run, which I, I probably left out major plot elements, but there's a lot going on, right? So there's like a lot and also very little at the same time. Right. There's a there's a whole lot of nothing. So Things are not going great for Bastion. His mom has died, his dad's a prick, and the school bullies chase him all around town. While running from the ladder, he ducks into a strange bookstore and receives the never-ending story. He takes the book to an abandoned school attic and begins to read. The story is about Atreyu, tasked by the wise sages of Fantasia to find a cure for the illness besetting the Empress. Compounding issues is the nothing, a maelstrom undoing reality. He sets out on his journey, loses his horse, but gains a luck dragon and dodges creepy laser statues. Ultimately, reality is almost undone, but Atreo discovers the Empress on one of the last remaining shards of Fantasia. The fourth wall breaks as the Empress needs a new name from a real human boy, at which point she looks through the book directly at Bastion, the reader. This allows Bastion to ride the luck dragon all over New York City. good summary <laughs> i don't yeah i'm like i actually had to go back a few times like, am i getting this right I, I guess part of the appeal of this movie especially for for children is um it does follow like weird like child game logic a little bit of dream logic um i would say like similar to um uh, spirited away send no chihiro uh, the Ghibli film kind of, I think, has that too. And that really sticks in Japanese kids. Brain. Well, and for the same reason, right? Because both of those films, they're not they're not telling a plot about, you know, events and incidents. It's an emotional story about, like, an acceptance. So the physical where you go and what you do is really not that important. It's the feelings that that creates or that, that is created by. Right, because there's all those, you know, weird rules to traversing different places in, in all of these movies. So that, that's kind of fun. Um, we usually talk about actors a bit here, but it's a it's a German production that doesn't have anyone particularly known. <laughs> yeah, did any of these people go on to do other stuff? Really? Um, one, I think only one of them even. Well, makes Deep it Roy. To... <laughs> okay, yeah, I think only one of them even makes it to the sequel. <laughs> I mean, you know, the kids would have aged out, right? So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm actually looking at the sequel page. That's why I'm so confused. Okay. 
but yeah, this was a German production and kind of like a one of the most successful ones at the time. This is where uh, Wolfgang Peterson got his start. So I, I guess he's worth mentioning because he ended up making tons of Hollywood blockbusters and such. Hmm. It makes sense because the book was German, actually. And so everything, if anybody has ever read it, it's a translation unless someone out there is reading German. Um, so they maybe had it more as part of their culture and decided to make this movie. It's it's sad, though, because the book is so much better always. But it's not just that it's better. It's that it's twice as long or more the, where the movie ends. The book uh, is just kind of getting started. Um, okay. The book has a whole other dimension going on. But it's the same otherwise. Like They do a really good job of telling the first quarter of the story. <laughs> mm. And the sequels don't really do it. I was going to ask, do the sequels continue the book or not? I I might be misremembering, but I don't think they do. I think especially the third one doesn't at all. And maybe the second one kind of does. But there's a lot in there that I remember that was never in the book at the very least. So, no, not really. Uh, And the book is so good. I mean, it's really good. I know it's not a kid's book at all, but... Uh, but it's written in that style, you know, so the movie is is kind of similar in that way. It's a children's movie, um, you know, but there are some some really interesting, at least esoteric things that are are in there, just like Spirited Away, actually. So, mm. you know, it's kind of it's kind of cool like that. Yeah, the author is uh, Michael Enda. I guess that's how you would say it with the, with your your German in there. I don't know. But um, he was quite happy to have this film made but not happy with the result so he he actually sued um and lost the case because he because of this movie and that's that's why part two took so long to come out it was uh caught in legal troubles but his, his comment on this one was ein gigantisches melodrama aus kitsch commerce plush und plastic which is a gigantic <laughs> yep melodrama. i don't need that one translated <laughs> <laughs> but if you do a, a gigantic melodrama of kitsch commercial plush and plastic <laughs> but it does sound a lot better in german <laughs> yeah it does <laughs> i mean that's interesting because obviously there is a lot of like oh here's a big character but it didn't feel like ewoks or anything where they were like trying to sell me a toy like oh, it just i'm sure there was merchandise right i'm not going to deny it but yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the definitely, uh, you know, they're trying to sell a few things. Uh, there was some consternation over the effects of this. I like them. I think they look cool, but they are weird, you know, and that doesn't sit oh, I, well. This film looks great. Everybody. It's got yeah. that It's got that quality of being, because it's, it doesn't look, it's like Flash Gordon, right? It does not trying to look real, so it's never going to age. Yeah, it's just like a complete fantasy world. I The Gamoric was terrifying it's still kind of terrifying like they did they did a good job i feel like falcor looks super realistic but this is in the 80s yeah he's got a lot of character when he's talking and stuff and interacting with the people and there's some movies that didn't pull that off and falcor is a giant goal to pull off it's they did a pretty great job there are films coming out now that don't pull it off yeah, I, right. <laughs> I let me let me start this off by saying I, I think Falcor is awesome, but I do have to read this quote from a Gene Siskel saying that Falcor the Luck Dragon resembled the sort of stuffed toy you'd win at a county fair and throw out when you left. So I don't agree <laughs> with that, but I think it's fun to read. It's a great line, but yeah, he's incorrect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's incorrect. <laughs> well, and the again, the Falcor in the book is like so different. He's like this long, sort of snake-like fluid sort of type of dragon, not this um dog, you know, furry <laughs> creature. 
uh, that we get in the movie, but I like them both. They're both cool versions of Falcor. I have no problem with what they did with him. Yeah, nice. Now, this is um, notoriously a a childhood scarring sort of film as well, right? Hmm. Um, but the thing that creeped me out as a kid is is not the horse. I would just like like I put in my summary. I'm like, oh, he lost his horse, you know, because I think that's notoriously the scene that scars children. Is it? If, if kids like horses, I guess. I, I definitely was, remember it. I felt brutalized. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I was, but I was a girl. I think girls, especially, uh, maybe this is totally faux pas to say now, but I think girls especially were like, what? The horse? No, like we care more about the horse than anything else. Whereas I think guys, kids, young boys would be more like, dude, Atreo is the shit. Like, look at him fucking, he, that kid is like 10 years old and he's going to battle the darkest force ever known to this entire world. What a badass. Like that's way so, more important than whether or not the horse makes it. <laughs> when I was like, 12 or whatever we went on the school trip to all the world war one battlefields in europe and there's like the graves where it's just it's just headstones as far as the eye can see right and all the girls found the one headstone for a dog and that's where they all broke down crying yeah see so, that's it's my just, point yeah, yeah. It's the, thing. the guys were like man look at this guy this guy did this in war we were all just trying to find our own names huh? <laughs> or like we found one grave for james bond and stuff like that so <laughs> yeah now you know where we you really are. got the uh, we really got the the deep feeling our teachers wanted us to get. I think because <laughs> the one that really unsettled me as a child is is passing the um, the statues mm. for the laser eyes that flipped me out when I was a kid uh, and I like like that was what really stuck in my head from this movie. You know, that I guess is... the reason maybe that didn't have such an impact on me is by the time I saw this. I'd already seen the running man where they run through the gate and their head explodes. So (laughs) (laughs) I guess desensitization is a thing. (laughs) There is something to that that is, and this is part of the esoteric quality of it too, where even at that time, however old you are, when you see that scene, you're like, wow, would I make it through that Mm -hmm. gate? Like, would I be able to actually, or is this like a facade I put forward, which they're going to see through, right? Or do I just know myself well enough to be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to make it. I'm not even going to (laughs) try, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and you have to know yourself someone. You have to have some internal introspection reflection going on, which uh, some people have genuinely never asked themselves that question. So Mm. I, I like those types of aspects and moments of this, movie and book for that reason uh, i still am not sure if i'd make it through well he technically doesn't quite make it through i mean he does get blasted at by the lasers which actually i forgot about i I thought like he just passed through and i was watching it last night oh no no he has to he just was lucky enough to be able to dodge that (laughs) (laughs) yeah you almost are wondering like does he just he just had like a little tinge of um what was it It had to be fear or doubt self-doubt yeah you had to be like confident yeah, so he had just enough self-doubt that they almost got him, but mostly he had no self-doubt, so he got to jump through or something. But yeah, I guess that's the idea of sort of the, 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 the guardians of the gate or, you know, passing the threshold sort of thing, which that, that, that then that stuck in my five-year-old brain for whatever reason. So, um, and, and of course, the Citadel in space at the end, that, that easily sticks in, in one's head pretty well as well. <laughs> See what this is interesting when I first many times I think that I watched this movie I didn't really understand the third gate the magic mirror gate and why it was supposedly the worst one because we all 
you know, if we had to pick, we'd be like, oh yeah, the Sphinx like shooting at, at you and you have to like be super confident, have no doubt at all. Like that's the worst one. But no, they told him the worst one was going to be Magic Mirror Gate and it was the worst one, uh, but they don't really focus on it very much in the movie. And maybe that's why it's easy to sort of skip over in the book. It's focused on a little bit more. Do you remember the Magic Mirror well, the, Gate? The mirror is where he sees Bastion, right? Right. And what and what is he actually looking at? What they told him he was going to see when he got there? Like his true self. His true yeah. self. So it, it, and, and that's supposed to drive you mad. But right? like for us watching a movie, maybe it doesn't work. But if you're Bastion sat reading a book, then sure, the bit where he dodges lasers is exciting. The bit where he then comes and sees you. And like later when they start describing him like in specifics, it does really freak him out freaks it freaks bashing out more than it freaks that's what Ray i mean yeah out. but yeah but are they one and the same that's the question well in so in the book it's a little bit clearer i guess that like that that atreyu realizes that he wouldn't even exist if bastion weren't reading the book if bastion were imagining him he wouldn't even be there so then mm. This is part of what might drive you insane. If you saw a magic mirror and you realize that actually you don't really exist except in the mind of this random, you know, mm. and again, in, in the book, he's like the even he's a super nerd. He's like giant and fat and he can't do anything right. And he's ugly and stupid. And like, oh, interesting. Yeah. Everybody hates him and he doesn't do anything well. Um, And so you see that and you're like, that is like my maker. Like that's God mm. or something. Like, I don't even really exist. Like this is why. You might go mad and this is another moment where you might, you're watching this and you understand this, or if you're reading this and you understand it, you might have some introspection, some reflection and go, do I even exist? Mm. <laughs> Am I just existing in the mind of some random being or God? Is this all imagination? Like, what is it? Or, you know, in Bastion's case, you're like, am I creating all of this? Am I actually this important of a being, even though I'm sitting here like incapable of doing anything well, apparently? Right. Yeah. Yes. I'm actually you've, you've made me a lot more interested to read the book. How many times did you like watch the film before you read it? Um, probably like ten or something. I was I was right. a teenager when someone told me the book existed, and I was like, oh okay. my god! I was already mm -hmm. obsessed with the movie, and so yeah, I had yeah, to read yeah. it. <laughs> oh yeah, and you get the uh, second half. I, I yeah, I guess the one for me. I keep remembering Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, where you see the movie and it's exhausting, and then you read the book and it's like, oh, it's the whole thing twice. <laughs> <laughs> double um, exhausting <laughs> right right although actually it was weird once i started for that one i started reading the book and watching a movie about at the same time and i notoriously piecemeal my movie so i actually finished the book before i finished the movie <laughs> <laughs> that could only happen to you matt that's very rare <laughs> yeah it's not a long book either so <laughs> it's a dense book but it's not a long one hmm.
So, uh, Luke, what what stuck in your head from from being a tyke in this one? Any did so the um the big rock fella he trundles along that trolley and it's got the big rolling rock wheel. And I think as a child, I'd conflated that wheel is what was destroying everything. That was the nothing. Ah. <laughs> uh, and I, I think I didn't think that when I started the film today. So I must have seen it once since believing that. But yeah, there was at one time in my head, my vision was these big wheels are just trundling in and crushing the kingdom. Um, so that's an image that was in my head, even though it's not even quite in the film. Obviously yeah. flying on Falcor. Um, and that definitely stuck with me because, as you know, I'm obsessed with any form of media, which is about a kid who gets to be friends with a dragon, you know, like walls of Pokemon behind me up here. like. <laughs> so that's definitely something that stuck with me. Yeah, the dra the dragon definitely sticks. And when you were explaining the uh, the book version, I, I guess that is a little more like the Spirited Away uh, apparition because that that one is more eel like and spindly and um, yeah, very similar. Not nefarious, ethereal. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Well, th yeah, this is a very eastern type of a dragon, and they often do have like beards and fur, and they're not quite as scaly as the sort of traditional European dragon. I guess made, made it extra fluffy so it wasn't like scary. You know, you're meant to like Falcor. He's a luck dragon. Right. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's interesting because uh, with Luke and I in Japan, we're, all, we're always, well, not always, but often entering, you know, shrines and temples which have a lot of similar iconography. You pass the two, you know, the, the oni that are defending the temple and you're supposed to, I, I guess you, you're allowed to have a bit of self-doubt uh, doubt entering a Japanese temple, which is good, but... <laughs> <laughs> you are supposed to bow and take off your hat though <laughs> not too yeah, yeah. much right right <laughs> good humility I, I do know you know when i lived in the states um for a few years after having lived in japan one of the things that kind of like for me like not having that around mm. like was problematic like for me I, I guess i need to have a lot of temples around churches don't really do it so <laughs> yeah churches have a very different vibe i don't get comforted by a church the way i do a temple yeah you can't just <laughs> kind of stumble in uh you know anytime the church you feel like you're you're um breaking in you know if you go in you don't belong there but it's because you have to like actually open a door and go in through a door right mm. i can right. walk around a church yard mm. churches well, you... are a little scarier there's just i don't know there's some shame guilt and fear caught up in that or something oh yeah good old catholicism yeah <laughs> i guess i guess in uh england you would get like maybe more homey quainter ones where we have like you know suburban plaster nightmares well we have ones that are like a thousand years old so right. <laughs> yeah we have like the mega church that got set up inside an old walmart or whatever right <laughs> no we have big gothic stone beasts that have been there since time immemorial well, uh, you know, like, <laughs> like some not... saint is buried in there who's died 600 years ago and stuff. Like the ivory tower. Yep. Ooh, yeah. But maybe that's where I'm just trying to agree with, you know, the iconic, iconography, is that a word? Of this yep. movie, you know, having sort of that weird, like, Eastern tinge to it, which in the 80s mm. is notable because, you know, it wasn't like, I, I feel like maybe people in the States would know more about eastern philosophy now than they would in 1984 so mm. so it's interesting that this came out in germany with that <laughs> yeah he was definitely uh the author at least was definitely like a multi 
I would say multicultures, multicultural sort of like a cultist, because there's a lot, a lot that he hides in this story tucks away ah. for people to discover. Nothing bad ever came from a multicultural uh, occultologist in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, e- not even once. We don't talk about it. It was nice. Everyone had cake. <laughs> <laughs> they do eat a lot of cake, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> so what made it through to the movie? Obviously, there's a lot of uh, occult elements in the book that probably did not make it to the movie. But um, I-, I guess we should talk about what did make it to the movie. I guess uh, that... I mean, what we talked about with the the gates, like those mm. are, that's sort of like these initiations that you have to go through with the shedding of the ego and, uh, you know, the dissolving of, of that aspect of self to understand the true nature of self in the universe. Um, even even the nothing itself, right? Does, does the movie get to what the nothing actually is? Not really. You don't even really get I to think... see its results. You just see a big cloud. I, th- I think the Gamork mentions it, but you could definitely miss it because I think it's really brief. Mm. Uh, but I think he tells Atreyu uh, in the movie. I know it. I know it's very clear in the book, but I'm pretty sure he mentions it in the movie too. And uh, the nothing is lies. It's human lies. Mm. So the whole entirety of Fantastica or Fantasia, as it is in the movie, is uh, human imagination. Yeah, he, he mentioned that, and then like the nothing is the end of human imagination. Right, or the, or the destruction it of it, which yeah. is lies, right? So every lie a human tells makes the nothing stronger and Fantastica weaker. And and that's mm. why the nothing exists. And the Gamoric is happy about that and wants to destroy it, obviously, and just serving the nothing. So just, just that idea as well, that lies are this destructive force in the universe that actually mm. tear reality apart. And that imagination is this constructive force in the universe that creates reality. is super, super occult esoteric sort of ideology well i guess we should get into it because the thing i noticed this time which i had never noticed before being that i watched it as a child is how much of this film is just about grief Mm. and that the film is clearly about you know it's a way for a child to have deal with their grief yeah and that if you tie it into that then it's like you know you can let people live on in your imagination but you shouldn't lie to yourself you have to accept what's happened sort of thing. That's awesome. And that he's that's... hiding from his grief and that's destroying Fantasia. But when he just accepts it and accepts the love that he felt and the sadness, then he can, you know, get his imagination back. Ooh, it's so true. It's true, too, for his father. Right. And mm-hmm. again, I don't remember like wh- how much of that is in the movie, but in the book, at least, it's really important that he accepts his father for who he is because he's also grieving and he's yes. also just just a dude like doing his best in the world. That's really important too. It's a similar nature. And then there's also, um, I don't think they do this in the movie at all, but in the book, at least he does have to take responsibility for himself and just admit like, yeah, I'm out of shape and I haven't tried very hard at school and I lose myself and, you know, these, these imaginations, which are good, but you have to balance it with, Mm. you know, this other side of yourself too, which is another aspect of not lying to yourself and, you know, picking yourself up and, going for it so that's a good analysis i like that yeah that, that, you don't get much of the dad in the film but you do get the clear he's like it. he's doing his best but he's obviously not good at this no. and he clearly is running away from his feelings his whole shtick is just like right well you know chin up you got to get on with it good talk yep. let's move on it's done now we're never going to feel sad again we have to think about your mother yeah 
I think the movie kind of glosses over it a little bit. Like when I was writing my um, summary, I was just like, mm. "Going, his dad's a prick." I'm like, "Well, his dad has a reason for being a prick." I don't have time to get into that right now, and and the <laughs> movie didn't really have time to get into that right now either, you know? Yeah, but it didn't like it didn't lay it on thick and make him like a real bad guy. He is just it did it just subtly enough that you're like, "Yeah, I know what's going on here." You can't hate the dad, you know? Right, and it's got what thirty seconds of screen time at most. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you, hard to kind of, uh, you know, draw a um, ornate picture in that small an amount of time. <laughs> that, that was actually one of the things that struck me about the movie, too. I was like, people drink raw eggs? What? Rocky. Rocky. Yeah, Rocky. Yeah, that was my thought as well. That's what Rocky does. <laughs> oh. Well, here it's really common because in Japan, um, the eggs are much more immunized. So a raw egg is much safer. Oh. So people regularly put raw eggs on their rice and, on their rice and stuff like that. I guess, I guess I haven't delicious. I haven't stepped over the line of just chugging a raw egg in the mornings yet. <laughs> I'm, I guess I'm not committed enough to the gains, you know. Yeah, someday. Yeah, yeah, that could be your New Year's resolution then. I mean, today I had the breakfast of champions. I had a bowl of fruity Lucky Charms. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I spent most of university mixing Fruit Loops and Lucky Charms. Well, they they do it for you now. That's oh oh okay. Well. It's yeah, basically yeah. Lucky Charms, but the the crap bits that aren't marshmallow are Fruit Loops. Oh, okay. Weird. Yeah. Well, I, I it's a bowl of that sugar. <laughs> I called them Happy Charm Fruit Lucky Loops. Nice. <laughs> Ate them for dinner as well. Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> no that's, what, nice. that's what college <laughs> freshmen do. <laughs> Ooh, there's a, that was an accidental one, but that's another esoteric aspect of the movie, too. There are no boundaries of Fantastica. Mm. It's boundless, literally. Yeah, I was at the, you know, like when they're like kind of floating in space that it's very cool, mildly confusing when you start to think about it. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I assume there's second. Is there air there. <laughs> there's what, like five. Like, yeah. What did the nothing do to the things it consumed? You know, nothing. Break man. nothing. Yeah. Did it break? But it seems I guess it breaks things up. I don't know. Um, I wrote in my synopsis there. I, I called it a maelstrom. Right. Just mm. but that's also because um, I look at my and scott was ranting to me about maelstroms for like 30 minutes a few nights ago so <laughs> i just i had maelstroms on the mind he told me like three different times how they can just draw and suck you down to the bottom of the ocean so <laughs> like the strongest ones so damn that's yeah. intense yeah that that's like the uh hardship of making this into a film is again in the book you would just it's they just describe there's literally nothing there it hurts your brain and your eyes to even look at it because there's not even the absence of something there's just nothing <laughs> and your brain can't comprehend it so you'll start to go insane and people actually get sucked towards it and fall into it because it's so like hypnotic and and mm. entrancing in a weird way but in the movie, you have to show it somehow. So they right. showed it by having like storm and like things flying apart and that space stuff, which is not nothing. It's definitely something. Yeah, there's some <laughs> stars out there and, and stuff. So I was like, is 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 that mean Fantasia is just a planet and it just got broken up, you know? Um I you know it is like well. it is difficult to depict nothing though, right? It's impossible. Yeah. Even black is something. Right. Yeah, what would nothing be like? They have that Vanta black, I think it's called, and it's like mm. a paint. Have you guys heard of that? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of old now. So, and you, when you look at it, apparently it looks like 
nothing because it's literally reflecting no light at all it absorbs a hundred percent of light that hits yeah so it's, it's just like an absence yeah so i guess that's what nothing looks like <laughs> guess so yeah i don't know it's like um how they're in math there's like multiple definitions for infinity you know i guess there'd have to be like multiple definitions for nothing and some of them would be the same definition that's the most amazing part right it loops back around where infinity and nothing would also be the same thing in the end well it's like you go back to old cultures where there is no number zero right because it's, yeah. it's the, the concept of nothing you know how often does it actually come up in day-to-day life but it is a thing i love mm-hmm. that i love that it was like this genius beautiful elegant uh you know thing when somebody just drew a circle around nothing nothing mm-hmm. what, what's in this circle that's what we mean zero <laughs> Well, That's and if we go back to to the grief aspect, right, perhaps the reason this has to use like Asian and esoteric imagery instead of Christian imagery is because like if you if you if the film was full of churches and Christianity and that, then death is just what well, she's gone to heaven. Right. Whereas this is a film about grief and dealing with someone being gone. So the concept of nothing that his mother is gone is so much more painful and terrifying. And that's the version of death that this film has to deal with because it is so about grief. If the nothing was just like, oh, there's demons and monsters and they're going to get you, that's not as scary as nothing. striking me that he he could wish for anything once he was you know recreating i don't remember again i don't know if this is even in the movie never yeah because you do get a bit of that at the end yeah okay yeah yeah. yeah, because that's when he goes back to new york and gets to fly around chase the bullies (laughs) yeah 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 so he gets to wish for anything and he does not wish to see his mother this Mm -hmm. is a little questionable (laughs) pretty sure a child would do that first um right but again it's, if you're taking it literally, then yeah, that doesn't make sense. But if you're accepting the journey that he's been on, then, you know, wishing Fair. for his mother back would be a lie. Wishing for him to get his confidence and to go forwards in life, that's the kind, the real, real kind of fantasy that he's meant to be creating. Very good point. So I guess that's the point of your initiation, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you've really leveled up. New stage. Go for for what's what's important for the continuing story of your, your life, right? Which mm-hmm. maybe I don't know. I guess that is it. Does it riding a freaking dragon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dragon. That's. I guess if if you're gonna have a lucid dream, you're going straight for the dragon. Then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah big time. <laughs>
that's that's like that's another esoteric little hint there too the um symbolism of the dragon is you know the symbolism of the completely actualized self mm. like you really have so riding the dragon is literally like you've tamed all of yourself you understand everything that you are spiritually physically mentally emotionally all of it and it's all uh within your i don't want to say control it's not like a control thing but it's i guess within your you've accepted it and understood it yeah there's the um and and Luke maybe you can shore me up a little bit on this but the I think it's a series of was it twelve paintings where you are with an elephant and a monkey or whatever and it uh oh yeah I I mean I think I mostly know this from you but I know what you're on about yeah yeah but the idea that you know you're learning to like, all these animals are different facets of of your being and you have mm -hmm. to learn to not you know at first you have to like yoke them and all that a little bit but eventually you're you know it's supposed to go without any work basically yeah. i mean you have to do the work to get there right but which is again the point of this movie you got to do the work to get there you can't just you know be cool right he gets to the empress and she says he's like but why i went through all this and my my horse died and you just knew it all along so like, no you had to go through it that's the way to get here yeah you and can't that's the find your true self without going through it right and you can't you can't get over something like your mum dying without accepting it and facing it you can't just drink a raw egg and chin up and Pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. Would you give your kid a raw egg? I mean, maybe for you, you're going you're going to get your protein and go work out. Uh, yeah, my kid, my kid is going to be out in the snow fighting wolves as soon as he can stand <laughs> up. You know, like twelve raw <laughs> eggs every day. I was going to cast my kid out of Sparta when he turns five, but if he doesn't make it back, I'll get a new kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way back to a society that works. Right <laughs> on. <laughs> Um, I I was hesitant to get myself raw eggs until I moved here, and then it's like, oh, they're not actually that bad. I've never been a never been the egg man, so yeah. You're the walrus, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would do it, young. but I raise my own chickens, so okay, my, yeah, that's different. Those are high quality eggs that I could trust. Mm. Yeah, you know where those come from, right? <laughs> <laughs> Over New Year, I went to Akita, and they have these holy chickens that it's forbidden to eat but they're like the best chickens. So now they've got a breed of very slightly technically different chickens that you can eat. <laughs> and it's the best chicken and eggs I've ever had in my life. So, yeah. Wow. There you go. Holy forbidden want... chicken is very good. <laughs> it's it's the holiness that makes them good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the <laughs> sin that makes it taste good. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing, by the way. The sin. Bastion stole that book. Right? He didn't just oh, like yeah. come across it and like, oh, look at this book. He was like, hmm, calculating like the guy whose name is Carl Conrad Coriander, by the way, leaves the room and goes back to talk to somebody. He knew he was going to take it. And then Bastion just kipes it and runs out the door. Oh, yeah. The, like Bastion had to think he was taking it, but the guy was definitely giving it to him. Yeah. It's like, oh, you don't want this book. You do not yeah. this book. Like uh, what kid wouldn't be like, what? I want that book. What's in that book? Yep. <laughs> he was right, though. It's a dangerous book. It really did put him in it. So Bastion's full name, you also don't learn in the movie, I think, is Bastion Balthazar Bucks. So leading us to assume that the person who's going to read it next is going to be A-A-A, and the cycle will be complete. Oh, ah. that's cool. <laughs> what? How do we make an Archibald? We have an Archibald. Yeah, that's a good Aguilar. One. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Archibald Aguilar. That's, that's two thirds of the way there. Adams. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yours, yours <laughs> least interesting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was the joke. I'm not here like, oh, what's an exciting, exotic name? Adams. <laughs> I'm not that British. <laughs> I got the, the Adams family. They're kooky, right? Oh. <laughs> get a little bit of the darkness mixed in there. There you yeah, go. Yeah. That was that was deliberate. Are you are you more for the monsters or the Adams family? I'm very unfamiliar with the monsters, so I'm gonna have to go Adams family. Okay. Me too. Uh, and I don't. I'd, I was the monsters. Were they even similar, or did they just were they just weirdos? Were they like dark ma- magic sort of stuff? It turns out they were actually using the Universal monsters, like what we call IP now, like in the mm. '60s. It was like their way of like keeping the IP up to date. Because it know, is like a Dracula and a Frankenstein and a. You know, uh. The boy's like a wolf man, right? So okay, yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but. <laughs> So I'd say they're here, they're there, but you brought up Adam, so it, it all it all came rushing, <laughs> rushing to the mind. Yeah, sure, it's my fault, Matt. It's all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the same time period. It's connected somehow. One thing that I thought was a little not not weird, but I guess uh, interesting is is the fact that for her to be the empress to be cured, she needs a new name, which hmm. I don't know that it had me thinking of like you know Sumerian gods with fifty names and stuff. So. <laughs> For me, it felt like that's part of the whole this is the land of imagination thing. And like, it's not so much that she needs a new name, it's that they need a new child to exist with it. And by naming the Empress, he's like, okay, now I am the home for this Take, like fantasy, for this Fantasia. Owning it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Names are powerful. Yeah. Yeah, that's another sort of esoteric aspect too. Like the name is actually much more um, powerful than most people understand or give it credit for. And um you know, if it if it's reached sort of its course, its life energy is sort of gone, then like you need a new name. It's going to be a whole new thing. Um, you know, it's mm. actually the same. It's the same empress. She just has a new name now, uh, but therefore it's a totally different empress too. And then this is like the one way maybe that he does sort of rekindle his mother, or come back to his mother, or bring her back in a way because the name is significant to her as well. The name yes. that he gives her. But that that's right. He finds a way to honor his mother. That's not not trying to bring her back. It's just bring, keeping her her memory and her legend going. Right? Yeah. And it, really, in the really movie, sweet. it's super hard to hear. I, I, I genuinely don't even know what the mother's <laughs> name is because he screams out of a window into a thunderstorm. Do you want to know what it is? Yeah, go ahead, please. It's Moonchild. Huh. I cannot imagine his dad marrying a woman called Moonchild. <laughs> I know. I'm like, was his mother's name Moonchild, or was that just like a name she liked? That's or what she called herself, her or something. Yeah, a story about Moonchild or something. I I'm not sure. Um, it's like that that thirty something thing where you know they were all hippies in the late '60s, and now they're yuppies, right? And because yeah. right, <laughs> they're like, oh man, I wish my name wasn't Moonchild anymore. Changed man. She was a Moonchild. Now she's a soccer mom. <laughs> she's like the head of the corporate world. <laughs> Worked herself into an early grave, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Any, uh, big... Fun thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're in New York yeah. City, right? It's a uh, yeah. paced Manhattan life. You got to pay those apartment bills. I do find it very interesting that the film calls her the childlike empress. She's not. So I guess we're not meant to think she is a child, but she I has. Mean, look yeah, at some that some childlike wisdom. vibes. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's actually eternal. Mm. Like she's been there forever, and she's gonna be there forever. And 
never going anywhere. The ivory tower comes back in full force. This is why I just saw a meme today and it was like, in my version, Falcor lives. And I was like, well, not to be like the pedantic asshole here, but technically Falcor lives in every version because <laughs> he's there at the end, just like everything else is, because that's yeah. part of Bastion's wish is to bring it all back again. Yeah. He, he never really died. Semi-ending. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say in a, a film we're getting ready to do um, soon is Labyrinth. And I definitely have a few wires crossed with this in Labyrinth for sure. I guess they have a similar... I mean, there's a lot more Jim Henson in Labyrinth, but uh, mm. is, is, is that an issue for you folks? Just yeah. To... It's this, that Willow... Uh, for some reason, dark crystals in there. And then you said Secrets of Nim, and I can't even remember that, but that's in there too. They were all yeah. sort of 80s, child-friendly, animatronic, like puppetry or whatever movies, magical, whimsical. Yeah, Nim's fully animated, but definitely shares that kind of weird darkness. Um, okay. You have the Black Cauldron, Disney's most disturbing animated film, at least for scaring children. Let's see that one. <laughs> So for me, being born in 1990, seeing these, I I saw a fair amount of this kind of 80s fantasy growing up, and then Lord of the Rings came out, and it's just it's like a wall between those two eras. Yeah, it's so different, and it's not even just like the look, like none of these 80s fantasies really are about action, like. Even like the biggest fight in this film, the wolf jumps on him and it's over. You don't even see it happen, right? He rolls away and the wolf's dead. And that's it. Like they the films were about showing you these visions or whatever, but they weren't really about action and fighting and any yeah. of that stuff. I mean, maybe if you go back to like a Conan or something, but not Very in this internal, kind of thing. internal mm. sort of journey, like you said, releasing that grief and overcoming that inner struggle. And maybe that's why, more so then than now, fantasy and sci-fi felt like such different genres. Because sci-fi would be more like, it's a real, they're trying to create a very real world that you're meant to live in, and then there is human conflict and stuff. Whereas fantasy, at least back in the day, was very much, it was all metaphor and it was representative and the journey was spiritual. Yeah, Where they used to make them. Well, the, I did see one film like that recently, and that was The Green Knight. Yeah, and that's a really good film. I recommend that one. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's one I had on my radar, and then I forgot about it, so it gets fell off the radar. I, I was kind of the same, and then that little the weird cinema on Gondo just happened to show it last month, and I was like, oh fuck it, yeah, I'll go and watch that. And I, was, and I had the theater to myself. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right on.
Um, is the Neverending Story a film that should be updated? You could have your uh, your your streaming multi-part book specific version. I don't know. Is this is my bit? deepest dream. Is really? that will happen? Like, I would love it so much if they made the entire book and each chapter could be its own little, whatever, 20, 30 minute episode. And it would be amazing. Would be, the book is so, like, the distance it covers after where the movie ends is incredible. Everyone needs it. Yeah, you really, I... this is where the journey actually starts for Bastion. This is where mm. he goes in and really starts understanding, like, that was just the beginning. Now you have to actually get in there in the grit and find out like who you really are. And <laughs> you have to dig all of that apart. And you're gonna basically almost lose yourself. And maybe you'll get back to yourself if you're super, super lucky. <laughs> I guess not knowing <laughs> the crazy. book, my answer is no, right? Yeah. Because the film is like I don't want I don't want to see the version where we have a CG Falcor and you know, there's all Marvel dialogue in the real world scenes and all of this, but Maybe if I had read the book and I had appreciation for that longer story, then maybe yeah, I'd agree with you. Yeah, uh, I'm just asking because apparently the the rights are have been up for another bidding war as of last year, so I guess it's on someone's mind. But well, it got um, Stranger Things had a big reference to it, so I'm sure that put it in some people's heads. So oh, oh yeah, we didn't mention the the Marauder song. That that's I I just love how the movie just beats you over the head with it right out of the gate. There's no build up or anything. It's like full synth pop yeah, <laughs> yeah. what a tune though what have you tune. seen the music video to that song like, i must have yeah, done but not for a while oh it's, it's good it's good it's 80s good <laughs> yeah all i can think of is uh, i probably saw it in the 80s but when i again i'm crossing my wires i'm like what was the video for that song and i end up thinking of the labyrinth dance ball scene so <laughs> it's similar <laughs> it's like the okay. hair and like david bowie-ish and yeah <laughs> Anytime any movie or anything has a scene of someone riding a dragon, you know within a minute it's on YouTube with this song put over it. It's just <laughs> inevitable. <laughs> yeah, it's been covered out the wazoo, of course. And yeah, I guess I could cover it, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to amend my answer to the remake question because I'm going to say if they're just going to do the same, you know, like part of the book over again, mm. we don't need a new one at all yeah but if they're if gonna, they're do, gonna the do the whole thing, hog right yes yeah that's I, I, I assume that would be the idea that's why i was saying you're thinking yeah, i'd have to be like some, some streaming platform thing so you could have the 30 minute and the 40 minute episode yeah, and, yeah and i don't like, think we need another film but i would take a take a series yeah. yeah then i could binge it and it would be the best three days of my life <laughs> <laughs> oh, unless unless they just screwed it up horribly but at least oh that'd be so disappointing because it's so perfect the story is amazing that that was weird to change the name to fantasia which is already taken yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why maybe they're like oh people will understand like maybe they think we're stupid or something i mean i think oh. i can work out fantastica even when i was five years old pretty good yeah i wonder if there's something really like horrible that had already copyrighted fantastica that might be but yeah. it's like an adult video company or yes. something. They're like, no, we want to distance ourselves from this. Well, then yeah, they've they... got like the Gamork in there. I've heard if 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 it exists, there's a porn about it. So I'm sure that that's out there somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I've heard. I'm trying to think of what the title would be for that. But I, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> well, a quick Google of Fantastica just gets me a Filipino movie from 2018. So, okay. So, no. 
Yeah, should have yeah, should have run with that. Too bad. Well, <laughs> anyway. That plus the meeting of Falcor is like so much more epic. Actually, it's not even in the Swamps of Sadness. I'll stop. You be, <laughs> we just have to read the book. Oh, yeah, I, I, you've made, you've actually made me much more tempted to. How long is the book? Uh, it's not that long, and it is written like in the style of a children's book, so it's super easy reading. But it's okay. Very fun. It's super, super good. When uh, I, I yeah, translated of course, but translated, yeah, yeah. <laughs> translated from the original German. Uh, but that you know has been signed off on by the author. He didn't have a lawsuit against the book, so he apparently <laughs> liked it. Okay, the book was fine then. That's good. Yeah, he's he okay definitely did not like the movie, but we all like the movie, so that's fine. I mean, you know, so I, I get it. You wrote a book, they changed too many things, and you just can't roll with it, and you get lawsuity. I guess I don't know. Nein, so, the movie is scheiße. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it was that his quote about the movie? Yeah, direct quote. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Luke's, Luke's brain's fractured. He's stuck in pigeon German now. <laughs> yeah, but just, just, I only know like six words of German, so. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I threw out the pigeon German. I and most of it I learned in history class. So I don't want to repeat it. Like... <laughs> um, I guess we'll wind this one down if uh, anyone has a, a final thought they want to throw out on on this film. Um, I guess I've got to do my thing. There have there has been at least one Pokemon which is specifically a reference to Falcor. It's like it's a big fluffy Asian dragon and one of its Pokedex entries said if, if a kid it befriends is bullied it will burn down the bully's house. that's awesome yeah so a never-ending story must have some cultural cachet in japan i guess yeah i don't recall seeing much about it in japan but so yeah again it's someone just called in the theater in the 80s and yeah later is designing pokemon and yeah it works out (laughs) Uh, i i will just echo the sentiment of angie wook's wife whose name i always forget but the little the little old scientist guy oh yeah 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 she says, uh, when Bastion is waking up and 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 whatnot, she says it it's got to hurt if it's to heal. Mm. Good advice. Yeah. Uh, yeah again, <laughs> no one ties wants into to the accept film, the right? hurting. Right, exactly. Your whole analysis. No one wants the hurting, but kind of gotta go through it for it to get better. Yeah. Even like just as like a gym bro, like the pain, that's your muscles growing, man. So like see really, that's why like you want that delayed on so. Delayed onset muscle soreness, that's like when you know you've hit like peak games, bro, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Do we do every we level? The English version of, of the bra doing that? I mean, mate, if, I guess. I just wonder if you're like, oh, okay. oh, mate, it's when you hit like peak games, mate. That's when you're going to like feel it, mate. You know, mate. <laughs> okay, sorry. I just had But Jim, were... Jim Bro just works better with bra, I think. No, no, it does. I was just wondering if you were, um, if you were like twisting some culture there or not. <laughs> I don't even remember what my culture is. I've been living in Japan too long. Okay. <laughs> it's all merging. Don't together. even know if I can do a real British accent anymore. <laughs> no, Not sure. unlike the movies of the 80s. It's just mm-hmm. all becoming one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good movie, though. Um, uh, winding down, uh, Lindsay, what's up on, on the internet spheres for you these days? Oh, there's so much. I always uh, could go on for far too long. So people can just go to rogueways.org if they want more from me. There's somehow nothing about the never-ending story on my entire site, which is probably needs to be remedied soon. <laughs> well, yeah, it's you got it on the mind now, so you're ready to roll. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you want to find our podcast online, 
We're on Twitter at MLSFSpod. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Just search Matt and Luke Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Make sure you rate and review, like and subscribe, tell your friends, do all of that crap. And if you want to hear more podcasts made by me and Matt, you can go to patreon.com slash podcastio podcastius. And there you'll find links to the other shows we make. And if you want, you can throw us a dollar a month to help keep the lights on. The zoom on. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 this you haven't act- glitched too much today, so that's good. I oh I, I told everyone that business meeting how to fix it, but uh everyone was talking at the same time. So Oh wait, what do you do? Oh no, you you did, but I just couldn't get it to work on the one I was using. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, you said you have to it. turn off the um noise filter or something, right? Yeah. I was having the psychedelic zoom updated and it was like flashing the other person, like <laughs> and it was really psychedelic and Caesar inducing. So Are you sure it wasn't just the magic mirror gate? It was pretty haunted looking, to be fair. <laughs> like I think Matt just had Matt did just have a demon. Oh, and the business meeting, yours was way creepier, by the way, because it was like oh, okay. black and white, and then it was just like flashed to the color. It, it really looked like <laughs> the ring or something. So yeah, fun, fun with Zoom. Okay, <laughs> it never ends. It never ends. <laughs> In the year nineteen eighty-four, <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was watching your wheels turn there. <laughs> I'm sure I've done that joke for another film that was about a time loop before as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> And I'm sure I'll do it again because it never ends. of the sea, Conan the Barbarian.